Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here. Uh, so, real quick, you can probably tell already because I haven't been—I didn't use my my signature opening—that we are not doing an official episode this week. We're uh, we had to jumble some things up a little bit because we're trying to book a guest and the schedule has not been working out. So, uh, we're going to be doing something else instead. We're going to uh, continue with our top tens. But before we do that, I did want to say a couple of uh, quick announcements. Number one is, as uh, Josh and I have been going through our top ten favorite movies of all time, our blogger, Reed Lackey, has been uh, working through his. And uh, as of, let's see, by the time this goes, I, I, I believe all of them will be posted. So uh, each movie has its own post. You can read about it and, and see what it is he, he likes about uh, these films. So uh, I would recommend going and, and reading about that. Uh, also, I don't think anybody particularly cares, but you never know. Uh, there are new shirts over at uh, morethanonelesson.com. Uh, there is, of course, the chalkboard. If you're not afraid of spiders, you're not paying attention. Uh, and then I also did a redesign. I did a redesign of that. Then there's the original chalkboard. And then there's just very plain shirts that just say more than one lesson in the uh, chalkboard font. And so if you want to uh, buy some of those, I would highly recommend you, uh, that you do that. Not recommend. I'd, I would be, you know, I'd be flattered if you were to do that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, oh, I guess that, oops, sorry. I, uh, there are like eight computer screens in here and I forgot to mute all of them. But anyway, uh, but yeah, and so you can find that at morethanonelesson.com. Just click on store and then you can, you can browse that and, uh, frankly, like th- there's really no markup on these, so we don't stand to really make any money off of them. But if you wanted to buy it anyway, just for yourself and just so people like more than one lesson, what is that? You can say, what is that? It's a fourth time, a, f- a four time podcast award nominated podcast, uh, in which these two guys talk about film from a Christian point of view by that time. Here's the thing. Don't be surprised if the person has already stopped listening and walked away, but you know what? I appreciate the effort either way. So anyway, all right. So we're going to go ahead and bring in our, our co-host. His name is Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Oh, all right. Doing all right today. Yeah. Two things I thought of while you were saying that beginning thing. First, it, it's only a matter of time until you accidentally say our, our lackey read blogger. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I forgot the second thing. He is kind of our, he is kind of our lackey. I think. I'm, I'm sure he would love to be thought of that way. <laughs> um, um, oh, I, that's what I was going to say. The other thing was the, the other person might not just walk away when you start talking to them about the, the four four time nominated podcast award, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they will start to get that glazed look of being trapped in a conversation with you. We've all seen it. Some of us more than others. Okay, so he's making reference to the fact that I am a shameless self-promoter and have been for many, many years. I'm not necessarily making reference to that. I've seen that look over lots of other things. I have lots of uninteresting interests. Okay. That's not true. You enjoy, I don't know, baseball? You like the Phillies? I do. Well, see, I I, I have some interesting interests, but I also have uninteresting interests. What would you say is your most uninteresting interest? When I was in high school, I collected paperweights. Whoa. Yeah. This is the first I've heard of this. And they're, I don't have them with me anymore. They're still in North Carolina somewhere. Well, they're in a vault. Just <laughs> gathering value. Well, they're, 
<laughs> yes, they are worth quite a lot of money, I'm sure. So, okay. Oh, man. All right. You know, I we, wanted these episodes to be short, but you know what? You have made that not possible anymore <laughs> because now there's nothing I want to do more than to find out about your paperweight collection. <laughs> this is the uninteresting thing that I brought up, though. I, I'm ah, sure. I beg to differ. <laughs> Because if you can make fun of something, that's ne- that's not uninteresting. It suddenly has become interesting. So, uh, okay. So first off, <coughs> how did you decide? How did a young Josh Long say, "You know what? You know what? I'm going to collect paperweights." I don't even remember. Like I, I started getting them, and then it would be just like a gift I would get at Christmases and things. Like I mean, it's not like all I would get. That would be. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, I think maybe your parents are like, you know what you should collect is paperweights. <laughs> Incidentally, anything can count as a paperweight. Like, this one looks like a rock. It's different. It's a little a little more different than the rock last year. Thanks, Mom and Dad. You're the best. They were mostly just the clear ones with like some kind of color inside them. And they were set out on like my windowsill in my room. How many did you have? I don't I don't know. There weren't it wasn't like, you know, a hundred, but I probably was 10 to 15. Okay. I don't know. Maybe 20. When I when I was younger, I collected like little like knickknacks from the various places that I had been. Yeah. But the you know, in some ca- cases it was like a shot glass or like a little, you know, like a I bought a wallet at a Mexican marketplace when I was uh, on a missions trip there. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just little things and then I had them set out and it was kind of neat. Um but no, you zeroed in on paperweight. That's what you want. I guess that's so. what you wanted. Why did so. you stop? Um, probably lost interest because they were, uh, as I say, uninteresting. Like you found yourself one day thinking, you know, you were in a, you were in a, a, a paperweight shop and <laughs> of you were which just, there are many. Right. And you're like, like, Oh, what paperweight am I going to get today? Uh Oh, wait a second. I think this might be the most boring thing anybody's ever done. Maybe I'll talk to the 90-year-old man at the front desk and see if he can get me jazzed up about this again. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about paperweights is, okay, I gotta go. These are made from blown glass. <laughs> aren't they Aren't they all that? But, uh, but this one has orange inside it. Ah. Whatever. So, so are these like packed away in a box? I guess something? so. Okay, so you don't know what happened. I don't know where they are. Okay, they're fair. probably in my parents' attic. That's where. I, if I had to guess. Okay. How much fair. time have we eaten up on paperweights? Ah, uh, not enough. I say <laughs> people are riveted right now. And that's the thing. I collect. I collect uh, Riddler figures and uh, various Riddler-related things. That is a choice that I made in my adult years. Um, but I did it because it's very specific. Because the thing about the thing that gets me about paperweights is that, it, like I said, almost anything could be considered that. That's true. Whereas, like Riddler, it's like there's a lot of things that are Riddler related, but that's the specific thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's uh, and also you get to talk about the Riddler. That's he's true. awesome. He is awesome. Riddle me this: Who's the best Batman villain? It's uh, not actually the Riddler. He even he wouldn't say that. Yeah. Well, He'd probably he... be like, ah, probably Joker. <laughs> Maybe Two-Face. People like Mr. Freeze. Hmm. That doesn't seem like a very good riddle, though. No, it's, you know, <laughs> sometimes he would say that before just asking a basic question. But um, anyway, okay, so we will move on. Sorry about that, everybody. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. 
I spent like an hour and a half on like my testimony. Mm-hmm. And then before we started doing this series, like the minisodes were often very personal to me. Mm-hmm. So people, they know me, mm-hmm. you know, they get it. They know so, too much. So I need to catch them up on things like collecting paperweights. Right. I'm trying to pull out information about you just here and there. Okay. Just being like, okay, all right. Well, oh, he likes he likes uh, this. Uh, he likes the Phillies, for example. Now people know you like the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Almost as much as you like how much you like paperweights. <laughs> so, wow, that's really. I'm very excited that this is a new bit of information for me because now every time I see you, you know what? I'm going to start it up again. You've got a birthday coming up. I'm going to buy you a paperweight. I'm like, oh, thank you. I can add it to my collection in my parents' attic in was, North Carolina. I was going to get you a video game, but I opted to get you this paperweight because I know you love them so much. I was like, I was gonna, you know, video games are fun, but how are you going to keep your paper down? <laughs> It's going to be blowing all over the place. You can't use a video game for that. Yeah, it's cheap plastic. Come on. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to move on. I apologize uh, to everybody for that. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, You know, a little bit of uh, host chemistry there, right? I mean, it's no David and Tyler, but, you know, what are you going to do? But nothing is. I agree. See? That's the first sensible thing you've said all day. Ever, maybe. Except for that paperweight thing. Well, that was pretty pretty important. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the last last time we uh, recorded, we talked about my eighth favorite movie of all time, F.W. Murnau's The Last Laugh. So, now it is time to talk about Josh's eighth favorite movie of all time. Josh, yes, wow me. <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, okay. I wish I could say something just amazing right at that moment, but there's, there's nothing. Well, I, I think to this point... We, I'm trying to remember what we've done so far. We've done a lot that like movie people would know, but have we done anything so far that's like a major mainstream movie? I don't think so. Let, let me let me go through here. Okay, if I can remember correctly, I believe we did the General, mm-hmm. Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I, I mean, I'm probably gonna. Uh, we did Jules and Jim. Jules and Jim. Yeah. We did and the Last Laugh. Maltese Falcon. Oh. Last Laugh. Yes. Okay. So that would have been ten, ten, nine, nine, and then eight, and yes. now eight. Yes. Okay. So this is the first one, and I, I think our next two, maybe most of the rest, are going to be ones that you've probably all seen. Pro- uh, probably well, most of them, I'd say. Like. Yeah. And and this one is 1972's The Godfather. Wow. Part one. This part two came out in '74. That's, that's a totally different movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got that out of the way. Whew. So anyway, we're talking about The Godfather. Um, we've talked about it a little bit before, I know. Yeah, for was, those who uh, who are have been listeners for a while, you'll remember it was the companion film for... Which film? The Proposition. The Proposition, that's what it was. Um, where we talked about the, uh, the family aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but we haven't talked too much about it just as, as a film. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes when you get to these major mainstream ones, I feel like there's not a whole lot to say. Yeah, it's almost like when when you say one of my favorite movies is The Godfather, and somebody says why, and you're like, well, because it's The Godfather. <laughs> what? Have why you are you asking seen that? Seen it? Yeah, um, but that's the thing is, um, it's one of the things that I like doing in general is. You know, there are movies that we all just take for granted that we love and that mm-hmm. we take for granted that they are good. And speaking as somebody whose favorite movie was, until recently, Citizen Kane, 
Like, and second favorite movie was Jaws. Like, I, I know what it's like to love movies that everyone, that it's just been taken for granted to the point where if you say it's your favorite movie or something like that, people are just like, really? Like, somehow there's there's not necessarily a backlash. There's To my knowledge, there's no backlash against The Godfather. But, like, mm-hmm. um, but it's one where it's just, it's just taken, it's just taken for granted. And as such, I feel like people just, they feel like they don't need to say anything about it because mm-hmm. everything's been said. Yeah. And th- it might be true, but it's still worth examining. And I know that one thing, you mentioned Godfather Part Two. while there has not been a backlash against The Godfather, there has been, somewhat recently, I'm going to say in the last 20 years or so, there has mm-hmm. been a kind of uh, uh, steady refrain that Godfather Part Two is a better film than yeah. The Godfather. I've let's started start, to hear let's, that. Let's, jump, let's use that as a jumping off point. What do you think of that? It's hard to say because I've seen the first one more than I've seen the second one. Mm-hmm. I'd say I've seen the second one definitely twice, maybe three times. Um, whereas the first one, I've, I, don't know, I may have seen it as many as five times, which uh, if I haven't said this on the show before, I I don't rewatch movies that often. There's a lot of movies that I love that I've seen once. Mm-hmm. Um so to have seen a movie as many as five times is kind of a big deal. That's very there are very few movies for which that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but again, that, that that is just going to say that I am more familiar with The Godfather than I am with Godfather Part Two. Yeah. Um, if it, I oh go ahead, it, it, it's very hard to say because there there are there are things that I really love about both of them, and one of the things that I love about the second one is I. I I like the flashback stuff a lot. It, I almost might say that I like the flashback stuff with De Niro as uh, as uh, Don Corleone, Vito Corleone. Yeah. Um, I, I almost like that stuff. That stuff I might like better than a lot of what's in the first movie. Hmm. The stuff that's supposed to be taking place at the time in part two, that kind of fades in my mind a little bit. Except, of course, for the ending because the, right, that's like, a big deal. And yeah. the part where he... Uh, where he has a big fight with K. Um, I yeah. won't say too much more than yeah, that. That's a big one. That's a because that's a good scene. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like I can more vividly remember a lot of the flashback stuff with Vito, and maybe it's just because of the uh, because the art direction and the production the production design type stuff stands out a little bit more since it's a little more removed. Um, so that could be part of the reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I, I kind of feel that way for almost all of the first Godfather. I, I just love the the look of it. Like mm-hmm. I love the the places where it takes place. I I really love um sort of the structure, uh, the way they set it up. It's it's kind of in a very clear three act right. structure. I don't yeah, um, and the first act so well sets up everything that's going in the family in a very in a very natural way and in you know one thing leads to another without any of it seeming contrived and so you know everything that's going on and it achieves this because you really could say that all of the people in that movie are all the protagonists are anti-heroes in a way uh yeah even even the more like level-headed ones like a, like a tom hagan played by robert duvall like he, he even he who is like I said, he's level-headed, he's reasonable, He's he doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah. 
he's like he's if anything he's giving a he's giving good cover yeah. to the psychopaths in the family right he knows the horse's head is going to end up in that yeah. bed <laughs> yeah um so it's like but but that's what i was going to say but the the idea of the anti-hero is not new and the idea of the mob movie is not new right but the way that the first third of that movie ingratiates you with them so much that you're rooting for them the whole time that like yeah. you kind of forget about all the other stuff like you forget that they're criminals and it's it's almost as if a lot of the things that they do seem justified and you you want revenge you know like um it, it's it's kind of amazing that they can make you that 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 the movie makes you feel on the side of those characters that if you were to remove yourself enough from it, it'd be so much easier to say, well, these are bad guys. I shouldn't root for the bad guys. Right. And I think, I, I think I, I prefer the second, the, the first film to the second, pardon me. Um, for a few reasons, not the least of which is the, don't get me wrong. There are very good, uh, characters in the second film, but that first film, I mean, you've got, first off, you've got, Vito, played by Marlon Brando, for which he won Best Actor, and he's just such, he, just the look of him, not merely how he's written, but the look of him, the way he's played, he just, he's just so fascinating. He really, in many ways, is kind of a, like, when you think of the great, like, Hollywood gangsters, like, of old, you think mm -hmm. of, like, a Cagney, Edward G. Robinson, you know, maybe like Humphrey Bogart, but just they, they all had very specific ways of talking, very specific looks to them. And by having this character who has a very specific way of speaking and a look that we wouldn't run across that guy in everyday life, you know, and if we did, we'd take note of him. And in a mm -hmm. way, by having Brando be that without being over, without overplaying it, by having him be that, it's almost like he's our tie to what movie gangsters were and then as the film transitions into it being michael's story and michael is just a much more he's kind of a not a regular guy but like he he seems kind of unremarkable which is why what when you discover over the course of all the films what he is capable of that's why it's so tragic mm. whereas and so it's, I think that's why I like that first one is it's the it is very much the changing of the guard. Yeah. Um, and you see, like, uh, at the beginning of the of the movie there, there's this sense about Vito Corleone that he just seems like the sort of person who is powerful. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think the movie doesn't have to tell us that, you know, it doesn't have to have people say yeah. like, oh, he's the he's the most dangerous Don around or something stupid like that. Yeah. But like. I think it's a lot of it in, in the performance, just the way he plays it. Like, you know, this is a powerful guy. Like, you yeah. know, this is an important guy. And he and he knows that he has that. And Michael isn't that at first. But he when he comes back, definitely he, he yeah. has become that. And it's clear. Yeah. And that's why that last shot is so iconic. of yeah. The Godfather is at that point, this guy that we saw, we we've seen as not necessarily weak. But we don't see him as intimidating throughout mm -hmm. the entire film. We, and you see him come into his own. And then at the end, you realize, oh, he is every bit what his father was. Yeah. And maybe even more ruthless. Yeah. I'd venture to say he is. Mm -hmm. um, and but the, but and I, I will go back to what you were saying that like f approaching it from the point of view of a family and like having a good chunk of it. Uh, at the beginning take place at a wedding like the most family 
place you can go aside from like yeah like a, like christmas or weddings or you know funerals mm-hmm. like but with a wedding you can really see a family dynamic mm-hmm. and so you're you're welcomed into the corleone family like you understand who michael is you understand who Vito is you understand who sunny is and and so you may not like all these people but you under you understand the hierarchy within their family directly the corleone family but also their let's say extended family their mob family you know with tessio and clemenza and stuff like that and so it's just structured in such it's structured like a like a run-of-the-mill drama in many ways and i think that's why i respond to it is these characters and it's one of the reasons i love the sopranos which you've not seen Mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me i think i would like it oh i think you'll love it because it's it is treated like a like just a family drama and the family happens to do this thing Mm -hmm. which incidentally increases the drama you know tenfold yeah but yeah um so what like uh let's and we should I'll, i'll start to wrap up a little bit but um when did you uh when did you first see the godfather I think it I think it must have been in high school because I feel like I remember seeing it early in college again mm-hmm. like I think I remember seeing it then and I had already already seen it um, but I don't know I, I can't remember exactly yeah and then but and you say you've seen it several more times like do you feel mm-hmm. like when you first saw it did it like blow you away or did you just at the, by the time like at, at our age by the mm-hmm. time you see The Godfather, you already well, you know, you're aware of its reputation. Mm-hmm. When you first saw it, did you think, wow, this really lives up to its reputation? Did you think it exceeded ex- its expectation? Or did you think, like, yes, this is very good. I'm not sure if I'd consider it to be this good. Probably, you probably did not have that response because mm-hmm. you consider it one of your favorite movies. Yeah, I think, I think it was one of those ones, you know, sometimes something has a reputation and you're like, does this mean that it's something that I will like or just something that I feel like a lot of things can happen with that reputation when it's a reputation as like an obvious great. And mm-hmm. you, know, you, you know, the movies that come to mind when you think of that. And I think either it can be, it can be like, this is a great movie, but I don't enjoy it so much. You know, right. like there are a lot of ones that I can respect as a great movie, but I, I wouldn't watch that much. Or yeah. I wouldn't watch that many times. Um, and it wasn't that for me. Um, it can be that you just think that it's overrated, which that wasn't the case for me. Um, or I think it can be just that you, I don't know. I feel like maybe my situation was that I felt like, Oh, I get it. Like I see why this is a, Mm -hmm. this is a big movie. It makes sense to me that people have loved this movie forever. Um, and yeah, then I think just the more I've seen it, like more, certain moments of it really stand out or be, have just become more and more iconic. Um, uh, and a lot of times those are things that, that really, um, really give something to the characters, like really strong character moments. Like there's a lot of great sunny mo- moments in, yeah. uh, in Godfather. Those are some of my favorites. One of my favorite ones is when the, uh, he smashes the reporters cameras or the, mm-hmm. the cameras at the, at the, uh, wedding and then he just takes up the money and throws it on the ground yeah and it's like he, he he's a great movie tough guy yeah um and uh yeah there are so many 
it's one of those ones that has so many memorable moments, like mm-hmm. so many things that stand out as, I don't know, great. And you mentioned earlier the idea of like the antihero, which, you know, this certainly the late 60s and the 70s was, you know, the rise of the antihero. And the next minisode that we, uh, that, that you'll hear, we'll be talking about that as well. But, um, but I do want to delve a little bit into, and I just get your, your perspective on it. You know, like, I'm trying to think of, like, who who would you say are... Okay, let's go with, like, Travis Bickle, who I think is maybe, like, the ultimate mm-hmm. anti-hero. In I, I often think of Bonnie and Clyde. Too. Okay, all right. Um, anti-heroes, they're, they're... And I feel like we could do a whole episode about them, and, and maybe we will at some point. But, mm. you know, with The Godfather, you're watching these people, not a one of whom are good, mm-hmm. and who have basically... And now, and I will say that from a Christian standpoint, of course, none of us are good, but some mm-hmm. of us strive to be good, whereas others just give themselves over to this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and with the Godfather, a, a good nor- a, a good uh, amount of the characters that we see when the movie starts have already given themselves over, and then over the course of this and the next movie, we see a man who has who a, a fairly good man who who gives himself over, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it fascinates me that like we watch this and we're we're rooting for these people, but we're but we're not even really. I mean, what are we rooting for? We're mm-hmm. rooting that they are the best of the bad ones. Mm-hmm. And by best, it doesn't necessarily even mean like morally or good. It means strongest. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that something that you have ever had a hard time squaring yourself with? That you like you're relating to these people, and you in many and at times like you almost and I'm talking about myself as well, you almost cheer their actions, but mm-hmm. what are you cheering? Like, do you ever have that moment with this film? Yeah, I've had the thought because there is, there is that, uh, a lot of it that's motivated in there is, is motivated out of revenge. Like a lot of mm-hmm. the, the action and the drama that take, takes place is motivated through re- revenge and you feel like it's justified. Right. But it's probably not. I mean, I think, I don't think we can really say revenge is ever, truly justified in a biblically moral sense. Right. Um, so, so I don't know. There, there is, there is the idea that we're rooting for people to do something, um, morally wrong, but at the same time, I don't know. There, there are times we can root for, well, there are times that we can gain something from the drama that happens in something like that without right. necessarily cheering along with bad things that happen. Right. I will say that Godfather is a movie that kind of makes you want to cheer along with, Oh yeah. Um, with those things. But at the same time, that's a lot of stuff that we remember. Um, but I, I think there is, I think there is intentional caution in there as well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, revenge begets more revenge even in within the godfather but certainly if you look at the all three movies as a whole which we all know the third one's not so great but the 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 moral conclusion i guess of the third one doesn't really justify all the others right It it doesn't say like you know, this, this is what we were going for and it worked. Hey, it worked out. Like it's, it's, that's really yeah. not the note that it ends on. So, um, 
So there is that, that it ultimately doesn't, uh, doesn't really glorify those actions, I think. Yeah, I think it understands that, as I think probably any movie that deals with revenge should, I think it understands that, like, if you are out for revenge, what you are often out for is, I- I'm going to get mine. Mm-hmm. I've been wronged, or someone I love has been wronged, and it's and really that's what it comes down to. And this is, and this is where we're, I'm going to kind of repeat some of the stuff that I said in the proposition episode, but like, so basically the only thing that matters at that point is you and then your family as an extension of you. Mm-hmm. But like once you head down that path, like, you know, Michael, he does one thing out of revenge. Now uh, within that one thing, he does a few things, but, <laughs> and it's, it's a pretty a, big one. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's a, well, it's a huge thing, yeah. but in a way it's just like, okay, well they did this. So now I will do this. But then him doing that requires him to go and do something else. Mm-hmm. And then while he's there, somebody gets revenge on him. Mm-hmm. And now he's committed. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of, of all of these films, he just gets deeper and deeper. And it's because he, it, in every instance, it's that feeling of self-justification. Like, yeah. To the point where, and this is, you know, you meant where he eventually, you know, kills not personally, but like... It, uh, assigns the you know orders the killing of mm-hmm. his own family member mm-hmm. um, because w- because that is eventually where you'll end up that is the ultimate like if you're always choosing yourself and you you might be able to justify and say like well, no 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 but I'm choosing my family as well it's like yeah but only as an extension of you mm-hmm. and if they if they start to go against you well then it's them or you and you're always going to choose you you chose yourself years ago yeah and so yeah i do think that i think there's a reason these movies are treated as tragedy because Mm -hmm. we see what michael could have been yeah and so and i think there there's a sense of a tragedy in his relationship with Kay as well oh yeah i i think we tend to forget about that because it is kind of a smaller part of the movie but we don't have time to go into all of this but i would be interested to hear or to kind of talk about the idea of whether this movie appeals a lot more to men than it does to women the because answer can, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I I think it is very male-centric, and most of the characters are, and there's a lot of kind of machismo in it. Yeah. I mean, imagine that, a family about, a movie about a family of tough Italian guys. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, I feel like an, an easy watching the, of the movie can just totally relegate Kay to the backseat and be like, well, she's not important, and then think that everything she does is wrong for the rest of the series. Right. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it's very possible that throughout history, viewers have just kind of given her, yeah, uh, not given her much of a pass because most of the viewers that talk positively about this movie are men. Yeah. And it's, and you know what, uh, I will reference a a conversation that I have had with my other co-host, David Bax, both on the show and off many, many times regarding certain TV shows and movies, TV shows, especially because that's an ongoing thing. And there are shows like Breaking Bad, uh, or uh, I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but Breaking Bad is, is, is a big one where the main character starts getting involved in a horrible thing. You know, he, he becomes a criminal and then his wife, when she finds out, is very disapproving and like, and just, you know, and there are people who like online 
are just like, oh, that woman's a, you know, and they say horrible things about her. It's like, why won't she just get on board? It's like, because he's a criminal. <laughs> because she is a human being. <laughs> you know, and that's, and like, and the idea, and that, that speaks to how well Francis Ford Coppola gets us into, into the mindset of yeah. these characters that the person who insists on being a human. Yeah. Who tries is, to talk him out of yeah. a life of crime. Yeah. yeah. That's the person. They're on the outside, and they and we should view them with disdain because they don't understand. Like, yeah, put quotes around that. It's almost as if at the end of the movie, you get this feeling of like that's right. Yeah, <laughs> when it's not right at all. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and so we'll we'll go ahead and end. But uh, I did want to try to have you know a good conversation about a movie that many of us have seen and mm-hmm. many of us really like. Um, and I do want to emphasize. I did want to emphasize a little bit, and this is something that we've we've talked about elsewhere and we'll talk about again in the future, is the idea of, you know, I'm sure there are a number of Christians who would say, this is a movie about a, about a family of criminals. Why on earth would you watch it? Why on earth would you enjoy it? Like, you, we can't get anything out of that. It glorifies their behavior. And it's like, but if you just look at the tone and if you look at the character arc, this is not like... The movie is not happy about what happens to Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. It, tre- it, it treats it in a matter-of-fact way, but I think when it, if you look at the overall arc of all the films, and even just that first one taken on its own, like the movie is unhappy about where we ended up. Yeah, and you know, as as we've uh, said before, like just just because something is depicted does not mean that it is glorified or or approved of. Yeah. So okay, so uh, next episode. I'm not even going to say what it is because I'm not 100 percent sure if that's what if that's what it's going to be. Like I said, we're trying to book a guest that may not that may happen that may not. So we'll see what we can do. Um, but yeah, so hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, this discussion, and you're welcome to uh, join the dis- join in the discussion in the comments section of uh, of the post on morethanonelesson.com. And uh, yeah, Josh, thanks for your insight and thanks for being here. Thank you, and thank you guys for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>